What is going on, guys? You're listening to the Mind vs. Muscle podcast. Today, we got our boy Andy McCloy on the podcast. He's a, a strength coach from Alabama. We're not going to go too much into the story because we're going to let him break it down, but he works with a lot of really, really high-level athletes, and we're going to have a great conversation. So, Andy, why don't you kind of uh, give yourself your intro? Obviously, me and Theo have known you for a while, and now we know a lot about you. Tell our listeners who Andy is, what you do, uh, what you have in Alabama, and like kind of like where you're at with everything. Sure. I'll kind of let you guys guide me on how far and to go to that. But, um, yeah, my name's Andy McCloy. I own BCI Sports Performance and Fitness. We are here in Madison, Alabama. Uh, this is our 16th year in business. Uh, we work with a wide range of clients um, that vary uh, from adults, non-athlete fitness population, all the way to eight-year-olds and to the NFL and beyond. So we've got a really diverse um, group of clients that come through here every day. Um, on my end, these days, I primarily just work with our professional athletes and I'm really focused on guiding and developing our coaches here so we can continue to serve our clients the way that we have over the past 16 years. Um, we've experienced a lot of growth over the past couple of years as I've kind of stepped away from the business. And I think we're perfectly positioned to really put Alabama on the map. There's really nobody that I'm aware of in the state of Alabama that's kind of doing some of the things we're doing. And I'm excited to share that. Oh, so man. what what's what's separating BCI apart from from everybody else? I would say one. I mean, we were just you know first to market in in some things. Um, you know, we were the first company that started doing sports performance training here. Uh, we were doing speed and agility camps. You know, way back in two thousand, um, and that that was a a new thing at that point in time. Um, secondly, I would say is definitely competence. Um, you know, that's and you guys see it everywhere, but right. uh, you know brutally honest and uh, this is not the pacific northwest okay you guys have a very educated very fitness driven area you know alabama's claim to fame is being behind the mississippi as the number two fattest state uh in the union so um we're not exactly known for our fitness down here um so really competence was something that i really in the beginning when i started out I was like that's what i want to hang my hat on i want to be able to go to seattle i want to be able to go to miami i want to be able to right. meet strength coaches and other people that i respect and then value my coaching ability. Because I've met guys that have great businesses, but quite frankly, I'm, I'm not too keen on their coaching ability. And I, I just didn't want to be that guy. Um, so competence is something that we really focus on here. And just being different. Like people around here can't compare what we do to what they do. Um, there is no apple to apple comparison from how we intake our clients uh, to how we train them. Oh man. So why don't we backtrack a little bit? How did you fall into this position? Do you have a, did you play sports growing up? Like give us your story from, I mean, obviously, you know, we went to school and then we met Luke and there's like this, this evolution of how it goes. Like give us your story. How did this all begin? Like what made you want to be a sports performance trainer or, or is that even how it started? Yeah, honestly, that's not how it started. Um, it started for me, pure survival. Um, you know, I, I became a father at 16 years old. I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, so at 16, I, I was thrown into a lot of responsibility. And um, I would love to say that that's what kind of got my hustle on. But I was focused on hustling in, in other areas, quite frankly. And um, I needed change. And uh, luckily, at this point in time, when I was 16 years old, I was working out at a gym, working out with a friend of mine's dad, actually, uh, as well. And I met a guy named Eric Williams. And Eric was a guy that actually had a similar background. I mean, he'd gotten a lot of trouble as a teenager. Um, and we just kind of connected on, on certain things. And Eric owned a company called HBI Fitness, Health, Body, and Image. And he was coming to the Gold's Gym that I was at in Maryland working out that day to set up his contract with that gym. Well, come to find out, after me and him started talking, he had contracts set up at all the Gold's Gyms around the Washington, D.C. area. At that time, uh, John and Kurt Galliani owned corporate licensing for Gold's, and they were the guys that actually owned these gyms. So they were some of the best Gold's gyms around. Um, Chris Weber was a partner in one of them. They had partners in others, but nonetheless, they were owned by the corporate guys. Well, what he did with his personal training company is he had a contract within every single one of those gyms where they supplied all of the training, all of the nutrition. And... I was really into this stuff because I had been powerlifting with my buddy's dad. Uh, I, was, I was nerding out on everything from learning about steroids to nutrition and everything in between. I was just, you know, just engulfed in learning about everything. And right. uh, he appreciated my passion and my hustle. And um, he brought me up to Virginia. So at this time, you know, I'm living in the projects, you know, down in Maryland. My, my folks have moved out here. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm driving in northern Virginia every day. 
where, I mean, it's ridiculous money in Northern Virginia right outside DC. And I'm going to these gyms and I'm working with these people. And all I kept thinking is like, man, I, I can actually do this. Like, I, I really think I could do this. But I was still way too distracted by, you know, certain things um, that I was involved in. I just wasn't really willing to kind of put all that away and go all in on this. Well, some, some experiences happened. You know, I had some friends that went to prison. I had some friends killed. Um, and it, it really started getting in my heart that like I had to get my daughter out of there. It was, it was still, it wasn't about like really me or being a sports performance coach. It was like, I got to survive this situation. I got to get my child away. My family's moved to Alabama. That's gotta be a better place. <laughs> let's, let's just get out there. Yeah. Um, so basically that kind of started this process of like, all right, I'm gonna keep watching what Eric's doing. I'm going to learn how he's doing this. I'm gonna watch how he's moving. I'm gonna start picking up the game. And when I'm ready, I'm going to move. Well, we moved a lot faster than I, than I was ready for, to, to be honest, just because things happened. Um, but I did kind of have an idea. I was like, I was going to come to Alabama, and I was going to start a business like HBI. I was going to go to a gym. I was going to open up you know, this franchise prototype that I was then going to sell all over the country. And everything for me was about money, 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 money. I got yeah. money. Just that hustling mindset. And... Um, got out here, quite frankly, I came out here with a little bit of bread in my pocket and, and chickened out. You know, I got out here and was like, man, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if this is the right area for me. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just sat around and I, a girl that I actually met, um, really inspired me and she was the chief financial officer for a government contracting company. So we started talking and she was like, look, if you want to do this, like I'll help you with all the stuff you don't know how to do. So I was like, all right, all right, let's make this thing happen. I went to a Gold's Gym, laid down my certification, said, hey, I want to be a trainer here. Uh, I had my old ACE certification at that point in time. Uh, <laughs> Apple was my very first, but I got ACE after that. Um, I went into that Gold's Gym, and I started actually just really picking up clients because what I found, this was like right around the functional training revolution, like early 2000s. Okay, right. So like people in Alabama were wearing string tank tops and balloon pants yeah. and <laughs> bodybuilding style training. Right. I was like, oh boy, it's on, you know, now I was a little too Gary grayish back then, multi <laughs> everything, probably not lifting heavy enough, but because I had a powerlifting background, I was integrating, you know, some of these things and it was just very different than what anybody was doing. Um, and I was a lot different than everybody there. So I, I kind of created, um, a spark really early on. Well, I ended up getting a client, um, two that became huge mentors in my life. One is still very active in my life. Um, I met him. He was one of my first clients when I signed him up. I asked him what he did for a living. And he said nothing. And then he proceeded to choose the most expensive package that I had. <laughs> Come to find out, he just sold a company for about $25 million, and he was 43 years old. Um, another one of my clients uh, was a corporate lawyer for, a, I'll say, a large technology company. Um, and... The two of them, in conversations training with them, I started talking about what they, what I had been experiencing at HBI in Northern Virginia, what I had seen. So what they did is basically just mentored me to the point where I had the courage to say, all right, I'm going to go to this owner, and I'm going to tell him I want this gym, that there's all these other trainers in here that are just contracting out of here, but his market is confused. There's no congruency on the way people are being trained. The owner was only charging us $200 a head back then. To be a trainer. So I think there was like nine trainers. So, you know, so he was making less than $2,000 a month. Yeah, that's crazy. It was crazy, right? <laughs> so I, I went with written, hey, this, you might, just my background, right? Like you, you didn't hear anything about college. You didn't, you know, right. There was that, right. right? So like, I didn't really know how to use a computer. So like I sat down with, I knew how to search the internet real good. That was about it. But I sat down with Rich. I'm serious, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. The, you're on the YouTube breakout, huh? <laughs> yeah. Back then, it wasn't even YouTube, man. I'll, I'll tell you, it was Charlie Francis website, Elite FTS, Teenage, yeah. and back when it was testosterone.net. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's what we were looking into. Um, you know, so, but Rich actually, he helped me put together um, a PowerPoint presentation. And I went in front of the owner and basically showed him this is how much money you're making, this is why this is a bad idea. I just came from the Washington, D.C. area watching somebody do this, and I think it's a better idea for us to enter into like kind of a revenue sharing or revenue split. So I negotiated that with him, and he was all in. Uh, the only thing that he didn't want to do is he didn't want to have to tell the other trainers they had to go. So I had to take ownership and say, hey, look, 
I'm considering hiring some of you guys, um, but probably not all of you. So if you need some time to kind of figure out what you want to do, this is the time. So I was kind of, I left, I was left with about three trainers out of the nine uh, that I absorbed and then started hiring new people. And man, to be honest, like when we launched everything, it was unbelievable. I thought I was rich overnight. I mean, it was unbelievable. And I proceeded to blow a lot of that money at the strip club and the bar and, and everything <laughs> because I went from, you already know, I went from, you know, I went that's, from, why, that's why you got that shoulder issue. I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it was just, but what happened is everything was about money, 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 money. And I created this freedom, but I didn't know how to lead people. Um, I wasn't taking care of myself very well. And ultimately, so that was around 2001, I think. So about 2005, 2006, this was all kind of wearing real thin on me. And to be honest, um, it could have went really bad for me. I just wasn't really managing my life and the business the way I should have been. The owner came to me and said, hey, Andy, look, here's a deal. There's a large company in what's coming here. Knock this whole complex down and build hotels and a new shopping center. I'm shutting the gym down in like six months. Like, oh, yeah. So ironically, I had met a guy in there. I was power cleaning one day back when I could actually power clean. And I met this coach uh, who had just took a head football coach at um, a private school. So I reached out to him and I'd already done a speed camp for them. So I'd already established a rapport and a relationship and had done these speed camps were doing really well for me, too. I mean, they were, you know, 20, 30 grand, you know, clip hits in the summer that, you know, really so you, I knew they had money there. I knew they could allow me to do what I wanted to do. So I said, what I want to do is run my business out of here. I, I want to train all athletes. I, I moved away from general fitness population. I was going all in on sports performance. Okay. And that was kind of a, an intentional switch, but it was very much about that circumstance too of the gym closing down and me just not being prepared. It wasn't like I was like, yes, I want to be a sports performance coach for the rest of my life. I just, I wasn't at that point yet. Um, so I went into this school. Um, they gave me an opportunity basically to run a business overhead free. Plus, I negotiated a salary with them to where they paid me to be their strength and conditioning coach. And I put myself in a really good place. And then I started reaching out to a lot of the best athletes in our area. And I started getting them and started really helping them. A lot of those kids started now attending that private school. So this private school started to blow up, winning multiple state championships. All the best athletes from other schools started coming around. So, you know, Within a couple of years, we had pretty much taken over, you know, at most of the market as far as sports performance training goes um, and, you know, really kind of put ourselves on the map. Um, concurrently during all that, you know, I'm driving to Indianapolis trying to meet agents uh, during combine season so I could get my hand in with NFL guys. I started an NFL combine preparation program out of a high school uh, that ended up getting multiple people drafted, kind of started like my first batch of NFL guys. Um, and then it just kind of spread from there and going, I guess about, I stayed there up until about five years ago where I was like, you know, I've got enough cash now. I've put myself in a situation. I feel like I'm the person I need to be now to take a risk and jump out there, um, and start a business. And there's a lot of other stuff that, that goes into that story from, um, you know, fighting for custody of my daughter twice and winning the second time from, uh, getting married and divorced, which the divorce was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, you know, you hear a lot of the, the other side from people best right. thing that happened to me um so yeah i mean I, that's yeah i'm a lot like luca i like to talk so, you know, I, <laughs> man i keep with this stuff y'all want mm -hmm. but that that's kind of my life in a nutshell and it's kind of now i had no freedom during all that but now you know five years being into this business now i have the freedom to do things like this to to travel whenever i want and you know, essentially do what i want and um it's it's been a long journey i've made every mistake known to man so I feel responsible now to kind of pay it forward in the industry and, and help any young men, you know, trying to build businesses or just trying to become that competent trainer. You know, if I can help them do that, that that's my mission. So. Well, well, man, like I, I appreciate your story. And I know we talked a lot when, you know, when, when we were kicking it in uh, Orlando. Um, so, you know, I, I knew kind of a, a little bit of a, a background behind it and, and what I thought you know, from then, e even till now, and just hearing you, you know, go through the whole thing is, is it's, this, it's a story of experience, right? Like, that's what, like, we want to hear, like, we don't necessarily want to hear about people who are just going to spit, uh, you know, and, and regurgitate information that, 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 you know, Mike Robertson or somebody said, like, I know that, you know, you have 
you know, you got a, a ton of continuing education under your belt. And that's what I love is like, man, like you don't have to get on here and, and, and spit a bunch of knowledge to people who aren't really going to understand it fully. Like what you need to hear, I think, as somebody who's 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 a real hustler is how you did that. Right. Like reaching out to pro athletes, even though they probably didn't even know your name at that time. And then, you know, having giving them value. And then, you know, obviously that worked, that paid out for you in the long run. But it's like, man, like, you know, you got to do a lot of hustling before you actually get that that paycheck. So how did your mindset shift from because you said it was about money, money, money to where where is it at now? Where's Andy McCloy now? And what's what's the vision of, of BCI? Right now, everything for me is about being a servant leader, right? Like serving other people and leading other people. I am. Um, so intrigued with the idea of how values drive behavior. So a, a big change for me was, I mean, one, reading The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People yeah. was a really powerful book for me because prior to that and kind of the world that I was circulating in, everybody's focus was on power, not necessarily character. And we all know that Robert Greene's work is, is incredible, right? So like the 48 Laws of Power essentially was my Bible, so to speak, for many years. It was all about power. How can I gain control? How can I do this? How can I attain power and money and these things? But see, it wasn't rooted in character. So I did it all wrong. So when I really started learning about values and character and how this drives you know, certain behaviors, I was able to kind of align my hustle with values that served who I really am as opposed to like who I thought I needed to be. You know, We've got a lot of programming and a lot of my programming came from my upbringing. I felt I had to be this person that was very money focused. But see, that came from deficit. That came yeah. from having it, right? Yeah. So when you when you have it, you realize it doesn't serve you as well as you think. It doesn't make you happy. But really knowing who you are and, and living life in congruency with your values is the key to happiness. And I was very aware of that probably around that shift, like 2006-ish. But it, literally, it's probably taken me till the past two two years, maybe three years ago, to know that I authentically live this every day and be able to check myself when I'm not. Like when I kind of catch myself going off track, how do I bring myself back to center? Um, and I've invested a lot of time and money in learning those type of strategies, you know, like warrior and, you know, like you guys have done resurrection. Like these, these things have been really powerful in my life and, you know, reading different books about, you know, projection and, and you know, just dealing with, with your brain, you know, our, our brains are a crazy place. And I think, you know, I don't know if there was one moment, but it was, accepting the fact that I control my mind, that I control my actions. And if I can align them with the right values, I'm going to be successful and happy. And my end game for many years now has simply been happiness. That's all I want. That's all I care about is being happy. Do So do you, how do you instill that into your culture at your gym? Because I'm assuming whenever we find a coach or an owner of a gym that is as passionate about not only growth as far as strength and performance, but as a person, like, how do you implement that into your athletes? Because it's got to be some aspect of your gym. Because every coach we talk to, a lot of times they're talking more about that than anything else. They're not talking to us about what programs they're using or what specific equipment. None of that stuff. It's always like, man, I instill this into my athletes so they can be successful and a good person, right? So how do you and, do that? And a major key to their success. Oh, 100%. I think, well, number one, we, <clears throat> we find opportunities to share our values um, with them. And I, so one way that we start all of this off, actually, it's kind of ironic. It's sitting right here. I don't know if you guys can see this, but it's something that uh, it says Warriors Code on there. Yeah. And on the back, it has BCI athlete values and our performance pyramid or what I stole from Benjamin Franklin uh, that he called the pyramid of success. Well, so the way that we intake our clients is where we set the tone with that. So every kid that comes into this business has to go through me, even though I don't train them anymore. One, I want to make sure I got the right fit for our kid, because right now we don't have to take every kid. But two, I want to make sure it's somebody that I can align behind this belief. So to me, being a warrior is this. You live your values, you chase your goals, and you take relentless action moving towards that every single day. Okay, So that that is our code right? that we preach into kids. The three core values are ones that we've all heard since this bit. I flipped one of them. We've all heard about the three D's, discipline, dedication, and determination. I got rid of determination and went with desire because to me, desire is the currency of action, right? So if you feed the right type of desire, you get the right type of actions. So we talk about in this intake interview strategies for them to feed their desire to become a collegiate athlete or a professional athlete. I want them to claim what they want in that meeting. 
and I'm going to ingrain as much emotion into this meeting as possible um, as I can. And I'll explain why later. Um, when we get to dedication, like, and this is, is this is warrior stuff, and it's just stuff from warrior that has really impacted me. Where to me, dedication means you know doing what you said you would do, but doing it despite our stories, the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions, the moods, right? Sharing that concept alone with a young man up front is really powerful because there's going to be days he doesn't think he's got the time to work out and get his homework done. He's not going to feel like coming here after practice. He's not going to be in the mood to do it after his girlfriend gave him shit that he's not coming to the basketball game. But if he's really dedicated, he's going to do it anyway, right? And then discipline is the last one. I've had discipline tattooed across my back from shoulder to shoulder since I was 20 years old. And to me, that means being allergic to going through the motions. Now, I would love to say I've always been that way, but I haven't. But it, nonetheless, it's a reminder and a definition now that um, I live and, and I preach into them. I follow that whole discussion up with tying this into what we call our wheel of conditioning. Um, around the wheel of conditioning are like athletic qualities that need to be developed within the, the concept of our system. The hub or the center of that wheel, though, is our code, the warrior's code, because that's where it all starts. Um, from there, you know, at the end of this meeting, the reason we try to ingrain so much emotion into it is you guys familiar with, I'm sure you're familiar with NLP, right? So yep. Yep. I like to think I know a little bit about NLP, but like the real NLP ninjas will probably tell you, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> but one thing that I've noticed is if you ingrain a lot of emotion into something and then you connect that to a symbol or something, it becomes a subconscious representation of that conversation or meeting. So what we've had for many years and way before I came up with this concept, is what we call the warrior's clap. So when you walk in, you clap each other's hand three times. There's a hug and an embrace. And then we finish with our hands kind of in a pyramid. Now, this has literally been done for 10 years. I've got kids now that are working for me who went through our middle school program. We've been doing it that long, okay? It was just some shit because I read in the 48 Laws of Power to <laughs> right. compelling obstacle or spectacles and to you create a cult-like following. So I was trying to create these ways to like give people ownership or relatedness um, to BCI. Well, later on, at just through experience and learning more, I started to say, all right, man, I can really connect this to our entire experience now. So the minute that they come in, they're getting hit in the head with this. When they walk out on the floor, all the coaches are going to dap them up. All the kids are going to dap them up. At the end of the session, everybody's going to dap them up and shut them down. So it's it's become this really cool thing. And you got to earn the right to do it. You can't just do it. You can't yeah. just do it with homeboy yeah. at school. Like you got to <laughs> come here and train, you know, in order to do it. And what's really cool is like, and I tell people, despite the elite athletes we got, like we've become the cool kids lunch table. Like this is where kids want to be now. And a lot of it, I think, is because of some of those symbols that we connect them to. Man, that's, all I got. that's <laughs> crazy. Hey, I mean, like, all I can keep, like, that. that's what culture is to me. Like, culture isn't something that, like, you can take pieces, and we talked about this with Joseph Hawthorne, you can take pieces out of all these books and all these other places and people you've experienced with, but you got to create your own culture. So the fact that they can go there and there's nothing like that there, like, that's what makes it unique and what it is. You know what I mean? People here are very transactional. Like you guys know the concept of transformational versus transactional coaching, right? And like what I've noticed is really in our industry, unless it's like, you know, guys like us that I, I kind of look at, you know, as the, the minority still, um, like people just, they take money for training. They don't really care about the underlining factors that are keeping that person from getting results. And as you guys know, it's usually less about the sets and the reps and squatting. Right. You know, it's the stuff up here. And, you know, connecting people to their values, in my opinion, is the most powerful way to ignite change. But a lot of them don't even know what they value. They don't know why they value, you know, sitting at the house watching a TV show more than they value the body that they've always dreamed they could have. And helping somebody peel that onion back, is a, it's an awesome process. And But I tell people this, like, it's kind of selfish on my part. Because every time I get to do this with somebody, it adds more context to my own growth. It makes me a better person. You know, so to me, this like learning values and behavior change and positive psychology, like that's where we all need to be. And I know you guys hear this all the time because Luca is one of the guys that I really respect. And I know he's always pushing in that direction as well. Um, but I think everybody in our industry needs to be looking that way. Most definitely. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because, you know, you recently had a post on, on Facebook where, 
you know, I think it was somebody who might have been uh, uh, selling to, you know, your athletes or something like that or trying to steal your athletes from your gym. And, and you were like, look, like even if they if they were to go to your gym, that's still family. I think that that is so much more above where 90% of this industry is, is because, man, it's it's cutthroat. And it really reminds me of, like, the real estate industry. And I, I dabbled in that a little bit. And it's really like, man, it's it's a, just a bunch of sharks trying to get money. And, and, and I think that, and, and Luca has this really good analogy of, you know, everybody, and, and this is where that 90% is, is they're in, you know, they're in, like, the Red Sea, right? Like, where the sharks are just feeding, everybody's just fighting for food, but it's it's the ones that are out, you know, outside of that, like in the blue water, in the op- open ocean, who who have, you know, what I mean, complete freedom, and 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 you know, they get a big fucking fish that that swims by them, and 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 they're good, right? Like so, that's where I see, like you know, that's what that that post reminded me of, and I wanted to talk to you about that today because, like, man, huge fucking, you know, so much props to you for, for even putting that out there. Cause I think that that's an important message for either if coaches uh, follow you that they need to understand that it's like, man, like if some, if somebody goes to another gym, like don't be salty about it. Like, man, like that, that person's still family, right? Like you still love them. You still take care of them. If they need anything that, that you're always there. I think that speaks, uh, that speaks volumes to, uh, to what BCI has, has kind of created and the culture that that's there. So I, even though I haven't been in the doors, I, I pretty much know exactly what I'm going to get, uh, you know, when I come to visit you. I tell you guys the story behind that too was actually, I, let me just say this too, five years ago, I would not have handled it that way. <laughs> right. Right. Got right. on and made some like real subliminal, yep, yep. hate ass, hating post. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And because I had no awareness of my triggers and my feelings, right? So what happened is, is we, so we train, like I always say this, if there's any gym in the country that wants to call me and have a competition with our top five athletes against their top five athletes, holler at me because we're pretty good. And we've got a lot of really, and we have a ton of four and five star athletes here. I mean, six foot four, 270 pound, 17 year olds that will double 550 on a back squat and rip 600 pounds to the ground. Okay. Like, they don't make a lot of kids like this. No. We all. So what happens is a lot of these newer guys, right? And this guy actually had even reached out to me for a job at one point. They kind of see what, like, our model, right? We have all these elite guys. And having these elite high school kids has done a lot for my reputation. It really has. So what he's done is kind of picked up the game. Like, ah, let me go steal these kids away. I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to put it on Instagram. I'm going to put it on Facebook. And I'm going to create this image that I'm actually developing these guys, okay? Well, all of those kids, uh, minus one, have contacted me after that post I made. All of them had said, hey, Andy, look, I just want to let you know, like, I'm BCI forever. Like, it is, like, I went over to this guy because he invited me over here for free, and he said that he was doing ladder drills. And I know you don't do, because like, we don't do a lot of ladder drills. We do things right. that transfer. Like, I believe right. in agility we, we might use ladders with young kids every now and then but very very small or for games and stuff like that right right, right. See, kids love that stuff because yeah it's fancy yeah. so this guy's kind of being exploitive in that way too yeah. is he giving them what they like as opposed to what they need to you know selfishly build his career right now i don't think this guy is doing anything other than hustling so for me to take it personal would be just me getting caught in my feelings right, right. and that doesn't serve me and it doesn't serve the kids if I had made a really crazy, arrogant post, I probably would have drove those kids away from me and possibly shut the door. Yeah, yeah. Because I actually handled it with some sense and really from my heart. Like, I love these kids, man. Like, they know. I mean, I sat in here with one of them last night who's probably the biggest football prospect in the whole state of Alabama talking about what schools he's going to choose. And he just reiterated again, hey, man, like, I just I want to thank you for everything you've done in my life. And you know, I'm BCI forever. It doesn't matter where I go to school now. Like, I'm still BCI family. And that that means everything to me, man. It really does. And I appreciate you even acknowledging that. So Dude, Yeah, that was, that was major for me. Um, and it's interesting, man, because, like, you talk about Alabama being the second uh, most obese or, or overweight uh, state um, in the nation. Yet you guys have, like, the, the most freakiest fucking athletes like 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 I've seen your dude I've I've seen your social media shit and like it's I'm like dude like 
these are grown men. Like, there's no, they must just be doing, like, body creations just must be, like, you know, the hub for X-Men or something like that. And, like, you just happen to, you <laughs> just happen to, it's it fucking insane. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. But, like, it, it's it's really interesting how, like, you live in the fattest, one of the fattest states, yet you have these freak fucking athletes who are, you know, are, are the best in the world, really, at, at what they do for their age. Insane. Yeah, like, capita i forgot i forgot what they've said but like per capita like size of these different towns like we have tons of professional athletes that come out of here i mean um there's a guy named don jones that i trained the place for the houston texans who ran a, a 4-2 digital 40 a 44 inch vertical 12-1 broad jump this is a guy that barely lift weights ever his entire life he lives in a little small town called town creek alabama about 35 minutes away from here um and he's the most freakiest athlete you'll ever see in your life. And there's a lot of NFL guys from that little town and all these surrounding towns. So there's something in the water. Out yeah, there. I was going to say, yeah. what are you guys eating down there, man? This Bro, shit's crazy. Bread is good. <laughs> I need to man, I, like the, the funny thing about you talking about that guy who was posting stuff, it's, it's hard to get this out to people. And like you said, we're the minority. And I think the minority really is just people who understand patience and deliberate practice. Because everything you've been saying, your whole story, you're throwing 2001, I was doing this, this, this. This guy wants to do it overnight. And at the end of the day, like you need to associate yourself with and be one of the people that believe in hustle, patience, and deliberate practice for a long period of time and just watch it grow. And that's exactly what you've done. And obviously, it's producing, man. It's producing big time. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about training. So why don't you, you give us an example of, like, how does it go down in there? You said you specifically work with uh, mainly athletes. And I'm going to assume, like, during, like, their offseason in the summer, it's probably crazy in there and stuff. But how does it go? Like, is it small group? Is it more semi-private based? Do you, like, how does your system work? Like, give us kind of, like, your elevator pitch of, of what training at BCI looks like. All right. Um... So I'm not good with elevator pitches, so I'll just kind of ramble for a while. Hey, and go I'll, for I'll, it. I'll figure out a way to answer It's it. a long yeah. elevator. <laughs> so we do have an adult side. Actually, we have about 100 adults to train with us now. I was actually really surprised looking at our numbers, how many adults we have now. Um, so we've got really high-end one-on-one stuff that's like post-rehab or very specific situations. We've got semi-private stuff that we call performance coaching. Um, and then we've got our large group, which we just call metabolic blast. Uh, instead of calling it boot camp or team training or anything. Uh, we do do what you guys do, or at least I believe what you guys do, where we integrate our small group in with our large group. Um, we don't necessarily integrate our one-on-one unless we need it. Okay, So that's kind of the adult side of our business. Um, on the athlete side, we've got kids from 7 to 11 years old in one of our programs that we call Development and Fundamentals, uh, with an emphasis on the word fun. Um, this is very much in line with the long-term athletic development process and the certain maturation windows um, that we should all be focused on working with kids that age. Um, it's in the beginning, it's very play based, but we integrate teaching into it the entire time. So we might work on, uh, some acceleration wall drills to give them context and understanding of position, but then we're going to tie that into a game of tag. Uh, you know, I'm not just going to ask these kids to run 10 yard dashes. It's not stimulating enough for young kids. Uh, we build in obstacle courses. We have them climb ropes. We have them do monkey bars, things that kids used to be able to do that they can't do anymore. Right. Uh, that program, I think, it serves our population really well. It's a way for any kid, whether he's an athlete or not, to raise his physical fitness level. So there's no specificity. It's just about young kids getting in shape. Our middle school program is what we call acceleration. So it's about 12 years old to 14, 15 years old. It is there to prepare you for our high school program. So that program is very much about mastering the basic movements, right? Squat, lunge, push, pull, bend, twist, crawl, carry, you know, however you guys define those. Um, we do things in A and B templates, total body training, um, split into linear speed days, multi-directional speed days. If they come three days a week, uh, we may even add a velocity or top speed day in there as well, depending on the group. Um, we basically work with that age in a very sub-maximal way. It's all about tempo control. We're not rep maxing. We're not doing any of those things. It's about preparing them for later on. And in these groups, we still usually have total control over their strength and condition. Okay. So we're able to kind of slow walk it and, and really work on development. When we get to our high school group, which we call elite, we deal with two different situations. Ideal, not close to ideal. We've got strategies for both. Okay. So ideal would be, so uh, for example, uh, Coach Ken of the Carolina Panthers is probably my biggest mentor in the strength and conditioning industry. 
Um, when I was at his house earlier this year, really kicked it off. Angelo had a girlfriend in Chattanooga. I uh, wanted to get closer to her. Um, the high school where I was that strength coach at needed a strength and conditioning coach. They had contacted me about helping them find somebody. So I reached out and I found, I, I just told Angelo, I said, hey, look, I think I can get you a job. I selfishly wanted to do that so I could serve that school's athletes better because he understands tier system programming. There's another guy in my town named Garrett Keith. He's a solid guy. He is kind of a Coach Ken disciple. He un does tier system training. There's another guy in my market named Sean Gaunt that although he doesn't do tier system training, he's a very competent coach. So if I get kids now from Madison Academy, uh, Westminster, which is where Garrett is, or Randolph, where Sean is, I can communicate with that coach, say, okay, coach, what did they do today? And then we will build our program around that. That's three out of about the 25 schools that we draw athletes from, though. So we have non-perfect situations to deal with all the time. Right. The kids might have been doing a halfway decent program. They might have been doing something like bigger, faster, stronger. Or they might have been doing what I call shit soup. You know, just throwing a bunch of shit together and calling it soup. Yeah. In those situations, we have two overarching themes. One, minimal effective dose, right? You guys should be familiar with that. You know, too much penicillin kills somebody. Not enough doesn't help. You need that minimal dose. And for us, that is regulating volume and intensity. Like, we're right. not above 75% with these kids. Um, right. We're really going to go beyond three sets on most movements other than our first two. Um, and then lowest system load. I'm sure you guys are familiar with that term. Um, the best way that um, Charlie Weingroff, I think, explained it is talking about that study that Stuart McGill and Pobble did where Pobble swung a 200-pound bell, um, or he's a 200-pound man, swung a 60-pound bell, created, I believe, 800 uh, pounds of force. What? Well, just because you can do that doesn't mean you're going to be able to pull 800 pounds off the floor. Right. If you pulled 800 pounds off the floor, it's going to do a lot more damage to your central nervous system than swinging that 63-pound kettlebell. Right. So we can default to using medicine balls in this strategy. Um, and I, Some may argue this isn't in line with Charlie's definition of lowest system load, but I'm okay with that. Uh, we could also default down to like technique work in those situations as opposed to just having them you know, do a power clean for the sake of power cleaning. Um, those overarching things regulate everything that we do, but I, I don't think that's enough, right? So awareness is a, a big deal, and we're trying to get better at monitoring. We, you know, we've done the HRV thing, um, and I do it with our elite at. Like all of our NFL guys are on HRV, but trying to get twelve high school kids to answer yeah, not correct, gonna happen. Six yeah. to twelve high school kids in a group is about what we have um, to get all of them on board with that. It, it's almost impossible. Right. Yeah. We have a, questionnaire that they answer at the beginning and the coach goes through it with them how many hours did you sleep what was the quality of that sleep okay and they got to rate themselves on a scale of one to five and we don't want them to use threes how fatigued are you how motivated are you did you have a pre-workout meal if so what was the quality of that meal do you have a post-workout meal planned how sore are you from the last workout one these serve to create awareness for that athlete if my motivation is low today and i only slept five hours maybe I should consider that those two things are related, okay? Yeah. Or maybe I'm really sore and I didn't have a pre- or post-workout meal yesterday. Maybe I should consider that has some level of influence over how I'm recovering. Um, so we're constantly trying to create awareness for them as well um, to find teachable moments to then help them devise strategies that are in line with what you again say, Cody, intentional practice. Find an intentional practice of creating a nighttime routine whether that's regardless to sleep or meal preparation. But that self-evaluation opens up the door for those conversations. Does that help? Absolutely, man. Big that's time, dude. Yeah. Going in-depth, man. I love it. That's crazy. And, and just the fact that you have s such an in-depth program for, for young kids is so big, man. I think, like, now with everything going – I don't know how it is in Alabama, but slowly I feel like they're just stripping activity away from school and PE and food at school is shit now. And it's like – Man, I remember being in PE and we used to have to climb. It was probably dangerous as hell. Climb the rope to the ceiling in the in the uh, PE room, right? So, yeah, the fact that you guys have have stuff going on like that is is really huge, man. I, I like that. Um, man, let's talk. I want to talk about education a little bit. You have a ton of fucking books behind you. Talk to us a little bit. What are you studying right now? And like, what are a couple things that you can tell us that that you think every coach, not just athlete specific, but should be reading, studying certifications, whatever. Talk to us a little bit about what you're doing and what you have your coaches do. 
okay, I could really ramble on that. So I will tell you this. One thing that we are putting <laughs> play right now um, is, and I stole this from Mark Fisher after uh, going to a seminar with him. Um, so if you're in business, you need to look up Mark Fisher. Okay? Yeah, most definitely. 100%. He's, he's the man, okay? Um, but I stole uh, a couple things from him. Uh, but one was we're, ne- we're all reading the book, Crucial Conversations, together. I bought the whole team the book, and we are going to role play certain exercises uh, throughout that book. Um, I think we're going to do that now, a book a month. That is not something that we have been doing, although I do require our coaches to read every day. Um, we actually use Core 4 as a way to assess um, our coaches in, in every staff meeting. They oh. report total, um, and then they identify what activities. And we use a lot of the same stuff, I'm sure. Right. Um, so that's what they're studying right now. What I'm studying right now, what are my, right on my desk right now, I got this book um, by Susan Fowler, I think is really important for everybody to read in our industry. It's um, why motivating people doesn't work and what does. Um, I just think this is really good. The ARC concept that they lay out in there is really solid. Um, I think motivational interviewing resources are something people should be reading. Um, God, I could just ramble on books, so I don't want to just rattle off book names here. Um, have you guys ever heard of the company uh, Zimmerman's? Yeah. Uh, Zimmerman's? Yeah. Yeah. These guys. Um, so they put out a lot of books on customer service that are out of our industry. Um, but I, these guys are just, they're unbelievable. I read about them in a book called Small Giants, um, which was another great book. Um Man, so what the book Flourish is really good. I've uh, that's kind of in my rotation right now. Have you guys heard of that? No. Uh, more, it's about happiness. It's a positive psychology book. Man, I just uh, love it because like the more you talk, the more it's funny because every time we ask a really high level coach or somebody who's really successful this question, it's it's never a bunch of shit about their industry. I know. You know yeah, what I mean? Like I'm kind of done with training stuff. Um, I shouldn't say done. Um, like I just bought Ben House's. You guys, if you guys know who Ben House is, uh, he's a functional medicine guy, brilliant dude, brain science guy. Um, I got put on to him through uh, Pat Davidson, who's a brilliant guy. And um, I, I just bought Ben's book, and it's all about like men's health and wellness and kind of a holistic approach to taking care of yourself. Okay. Uh, um, I really appreciate that. Um, man. Dude, the other thing really quick, what, what I love about you guys, too, is, and, and I'm sure he's still there, but whoever you guys got making meals for, is that your athletes? Is that is that available to all of your clients? How did that, how did that get uh, integrated into your system? So I knew we needed some type of meal service. Um, I met a guy who was literally just doing like, um, he, he would do like catering things, like he would come into your house and show you you know, how to cook for large groups of people. So he was doing like in-home things like that. Okay. So, number one, why don't we just come do one of these at my gym? He yeah. was like, I can portable kitchen. I'll do it. So he brought this portable kitchen in, taught our clients how to use knives and how to cut stuff and meal prep and things to take into consideration. And off that, I just approached him and said, look, dude, you need a meal service. Like, like I have a couple hundred members right here for you to market to. You're crazy if you don't do this. So he started it up. And, um, so for about 11 bucks a meal, our clients can get macro based, uh, meals designed for them up to 50, 50, 20, 50 grams of protein, carbs, and 20 grams of fat at that. When it goes beyond that, it goes up to 13 bucks a meal. Um, all the food comes from local, uh, farmers markets, um, or a whole foods or something along those lines. Um, I've now given him control over it. So he now posts a menu, um, in our private Facebook group, and then they do all their orders through him. Um, it is not something I take a percentage of. I just wanted to help this guy get a business going, uh, and I knew it would be a great ancillary service for us. Um, he drops them off here. I've got a huge refrigerator in one of our coaching offices now. He drops meals off here, and he actually drops meals off here for people that don't even go here. We're one of uh, his main drop-off sites. Oh, so okay. we've got members now because of this. Yeah. Uh, um, they come in and see our gym like, whoa. Dude, right? Yeah. Yeah. So – and, you know, to your point, Cody, about um, talking about schools, the, we actually tried to get this into a school. So just the kids would have an option, an option to choose healthier foods. And they turned it down. Turned it down because they said it would take away profit from their candy store. 
these are this is also a school that shall remain wow that was saying that they were hiring a new person to be a wellness and health director that's a lack of congruency right dude isn't that fucking criminal like that's that's crazy your shit you know like and now these people would also tell you they're the most value-driven people in the world. Right. Yet they even see how out of integrity they are by making a decision to keep candy and soda profits high and not even give people the choice to have another meal. So That's crazy, man. All our kids, so. Hey, yeah. kudos to you for trying to get it in there. I mean, that's, that's a tough battle to win, but fuck, I mean, you might as well try because this shit is ridiculous. I love it though, man. Let's talk real quick before we wrap things up. I'm actually curious what your training is like. Like, what are you currently doing? I know you've uh, gone through a few injuries. I don't know how long they were, or if they were long-lasting ones, but I've heard you talk about them multiple times. Talk to us about like getting through that and like what you're currently doing in your own training and what your goals are. I've um, I've shattered my hands. Um, I've broke my back in two places. Um, I'm waiting on getting both my hips replaced right now. On April, I'm supposed to get my left hip replaced uh, April 25th, and then about four or five weeks after that, I'm getting my right hip replaced. These are total replacements. Is this all wear and tear or traumatic injuries? A lot of it's like powerlifting background. A lot of it is centered around that sports. uh, You know, living rough and and, and fast and hard. But um, I do also have cam hips, so. Uh, the shape of my acetabulum is, is very different uh, than most people's. Um, understanding that now, I know that some things that I did, like sumo deadlifting and other stuff, probably uh, led to wear and tear faster. So I'm very limited, but I train every single day. Um, most people with my injury probably wouldn't, um, but I do. I do total body workouts pretty much every single day. I hit my big movement patterns, and to be honest, a lot of times I go off field. I'm in one of those spaces right now because of, just to be honest, my body's not feeling good right now. Um, However, I was running a circuit-based program that I kind of stole from that guy, Pat Davidson, uh, for a while, where I just picked 10 exercises. I used 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. Um, The time regulates load, so if I could get over 15 reps in that time period, you got to raise the weight. Those type of programs work well for me. They're more like what I would call like an anatomical adaptation program. Um, Build a little tissue resiliency. I can get some conditioning and a little bit of strength work in at the same time. After doing that for a couple weeks, I cut the exercises down to five. I go to 20, 40, work to rest. And now um, the time regulates my sets at 10. Um, I just kind of finished a cycle of going through all that. My body's hurting. So right now I'm just playing around. Um, but in the next week or so I'll, I'll run back some type of similar program to that. But to me, man, like just consistently training is the key. Yeah. Um, I go through periods where I follow programs to a T and I go through pro- times where like, I don't have it in me to do that. And, um, but nonetheless, I'm going to sweat every day. If there's anything that's a super constant in my life, it's, uh, I've probably clocked more miles on an Aerodyne bike than anybody. I, I mean, I, 20 to 30 minutes on that bad boy, about 10 miles every day. And that, that's really just to like push blood through my body. So I feel good, you know, enough to train Um, body weight stuff. But like, even I hadn't done body weight stuff in forever. And I, you know, the other day I cranked out 20 pull-ups, you know, first set, like no problem. So I feel like what I'm doing right now works for me, but I am so excited when I get these hips done to actually start training in a different way. I'm probably going to go all in on kettlebells um, for the first couple months um, and just kind of stick with kettlebells and movement-based activities that I have not been able to do. Like the world's greatest stretch. I have not been able to get in that position for five years. You know, so for me to be able to just do some of these mobility exercises or whatever you want to call them, um, that's going to be powerful for me. So my training right now is nothing I'm really excited about. But I'm super excited about being able to actually squat below a quarter knee bend, um, you know, in the next couple months. That's huge, man. You're moving. I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? And I think that's where, like, a lot of people go wrong is, well, the percentage on my paper says I got to do X, Y, Z today. It's like, man, like the most important thing is, like you said, just just getting in there, whether it's in the gym or it's outside, but doing some kind of activity every day. Something. Sweat every day. And people get lost in the minutia of it all. And I think when you have an idea like, man, I got to come and hit a five rep max today, you know, like 
some people, unless you're, you know, highly driven, like they just don't have that. You know what I mean? Like, so giving yourself the ability to say, all right, you know what? I'm not going to hit that today. I'm going to swing a bell a couple times and call it a yeah. day. Like, I just think that's very liberating and, and something everybody needs to kind of embrace. Yeah. And it's still successful. Still a win. All yeah. day. Still yeah. a win. I agree. Uh, so I'm actually super interested to hear your answer on this. Cody, every time asked a person personality <laughs> question, and I really think I'm really pumped for yours because I know that it's going to be really good. So, all right. So, Cody, fire. So, you're on a plane and you're flying to Japan. So, you got a long ass flight ahead of you. You got two empty seats next to you. You're right in the middle, and you can choose anybody to be sitting in those seats, but they, they can be alive or dead, but they cannot be friends or family. Who's sitting next to you? Jay Z to the left. Great answer. Tony Robbins to the right. Man, that's a powerful conversation right there. That is a super <laughs> powerful conversation. Those are like only the only two people that I've been like, I've got to find a way to get around them and absorb some of what they have. Yo, come up to uh, Seattle in March. We're going to a Tony Robbins event. Are you? What do y'all? I did unleash the power within last year. Is that what y'all are going to? It's uh, it's called National Achievers, uh, something, and Gary Vee's gonna be there, and then the dude from uh, Shark Tank. So it's them three. Let me write that down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. March first. Mar March first. March what? So, March first. Yeah. You if can you still get the early bird too. Yeah. If you buy it before the twentieth, it's buy one get one free, so you can take somebody with you. Yeah. Hey. When are you guys send me that link? Yeah, I got you. I'll send it to you when we get off this, man. I got it saved on Facebook. That's what's up. Yeah, I actually think I could pull that off. Yeah, that'd be dope. Um, and, and really quick, uh, where can people find you um, on social, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff? So I'm on Facebook at my name, Andy McCloy. Um, our company page is Body Creation Sports Performance and Fitness. Um, on Instagram, I'm Andy McCloy dot bci i think <laughs> uh, i'm terrible at this stuff um, adam andy mccloy dot bci <clears throat> and i am i am primarily on facebook and snapchat and instagram like that's about all i usually do I'm, I'm not so good with the twitter thing cool man well we'll leave that in the show notes so everybody can check you andy we appreciate you coming on the podcast man it was a pleasure um and we'll have to do this again sometime Definitely, man. You guys are awesome. You know, I think the world of you two, and uh, I'm excited for you guys, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Appreciate, appreciate that, it, man. If you love the Mind vs. Muscle podcast, want more free content, and you want to support the movement, share this podcast and leave us a five-star rating and review. To get your questions answered on the next episode, see the show notes for our social media handles and hashtag Mind vs. Muscle.